So how is UPMC still caring for patients during the coronavirus health crisis? And how will this care continue for patients now and in the future? Well, let's find out with Dr. Robert Nielsen, President, Pinnacle Health Medical Group at UPMC Pinnacle. This is Healthier You, a podcast from UPMC Pinnacle. I'm Bill Klaproth. Dr. Nielsen, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. So how is UPMC still caring for patients during this health crisis? Well, I think, you know, in our ambulatory practices, the important thing is to deliver care to the patients in whatever vehicle we need to do that. It's about relationships. It's about managing the person's individual health care needs. It's the opportunities to talk about things that uh, are meaningful in their lives. We have to realize that this has been a, a frightening experience for many people, including many of us in healthcare, and to try to ally their fears and give them the kind of uh, care that they need. We've used a variety of techniques. We've used our traditional office visits, which obviously are much less utilized than they were prior to the epidemic, and, and, and rightfully so. We've done a lot of telephone visits, both phone calls where patients have called in and done uh, electronic visits via the telephone, or outreach phone calls that we've made. And, and then lastly, we've learned an awful lot about telemedicine, which is a platform we had been using but we had used probably on the average maybe 40 telemedicine visits a week before COVID, and now we're up above 7,000 a week, which gives us a great vehicle to interact with our patients, and many actually have let us know that they may prefer this as a way of interacting in the future. Mm, Wow. 7,000. That is amazing. So from your perspective, and telehealth is probably one of the main differences, but what is different about the way patients are receiving care in this manner? And then what hasn't changed? What is the same? Well, I think what what hasn't changed is the the interaction and the relationship. You know, uh, primary care in particular is all relationship-driven. Um, and I think the more we can focus on the needs of the patient and uh, meet them where they are at that time, the better off we are. It's almost like you you can see me in exam room one, you can see me in exam room two, or you can see me via a telephone or a telehealth type of visit. Uh, Telemedicine has been a tremendous um, opportunity to reach out to people. It's uh, fairly efficient once the technology gets down. We've uh, been training our providers up in the skills of the quote-unquote physical exam via telemedicine. And there's a lot of interesting um, uh, best practices within that. As we start to look at the future, it's uh, really going to give us an opportunity to serve people in a broader sense, populations that we might not have had access to before, and help us address some of the issues of unmet health care needs and some health care disparity issues also. So are there circumstances in which you are still seeing patients in person? Yeah, there are. And I should say that, you know, we've really worked hard from day one to set up a, quote, safe environment for both our patients to feel comfortable and for for our staff to feel comfortable. So we made a decision early on to um, go through a series of screening processes where we were able to have uh, patients who were concerned about respiratory symptoms, the majority of which were not covid could be screened, could be tr- treated uh, via advice lines by either our nurses or, or by our physicians. Uh, those that needed to have a respiratory exam done 
we cohorted those patients to five sites that were geographically located across our regions. Those sites were better prepared with uh, personal protective equipment, and we were able to take care of a lot of patients in that situation so that the risk to other patients coming to the office could be limited. We still uh, provided care, uh, particularly for patients who had what we would consider essential services, kind of uh, ongoing medical problems that needed attention that could only be done in a physical environment, perhaps where we would have to auscultate the chest to listen to the lungs or the heart or something along those lines. So we still had, I, I would say, in the early stages of the epidemic, our, our total volume of visits dropped about a half, maybe a little bit more than that. And of the remaining visits we had, probably about a third were in the in-person visit area. We had a fair amount of telephone visits, and then maybe uh, maybe 25 to 30% were on telemedicine. Now we're doing about 50 to 60% in telemedicine. But still, we have some patients coming in. Wow. Okay. So how about people that are suffering from chronic illnesses? How do the care teams help patients control chronic illness remotely? Well, we, we have a great opportunity in that over the last four to five years, we have uh, developed a care team model where we, we use a, a variety of health coaches, nurses, diabetic educators, clinicians, behavioral health providers as part of a team to deliver care. And, and we were able to do a lot of outreach and really look to patients who were at high risk uh, I would say that you know early on uh, the, the the first five weeks. Now again, you have to remember we have 57 practices, and our panel size of patients that we take care of is about 270,000 patients. So you know, we had we had about 30,000 people cancel their appointments, and we were able to very quickly reschedule a number of those some which are going to be coming yet in, in uh, June, and some will be transitioning to video visits. But with each, each of those rescheduled visits, with that phone call, we, we made sure that the patient had enough medication. If they didn't have, uh, you know, we, we checked with them as far as the food. And uh, did they have food in their house? Were they maintaining their weight? Were there any unhappy? Any, uh, unmet needs. Did they have the ability for social contact? Because obviously depression and behavioral health issues are very prevalent during an epidemic like this where people are isolated. And it was amazing the stories that occurred from that and what our uh, nurses and our medical assistants were able to uh, help people with and how our community response team, uh, for, for lack of a better word, in our and our um, UPMC Pinnacle family was able to get food banks hooked up and some great, great stories about success. We also did the same thing then with patients who were at high risk who maybe didn't have appointments. So we were fortunate enough to be on one electronic health record throughout our system. And in that, we've built what are called disease registries. So we were able to look at those patients who were maybe diabetics who hadn't been seen in a while or patients who had high risk scores and do the same type of quick five-minute check-in with people, which was greatly appreciated. And uh, the staff just did a marvelous job uh, taking that to the, uh, you know, to the nth degree as far as the hard work they did and uh, some really good outcomes. I can see where a call like that would very much be appreciated. So then 
What if someone needs to get lab work or imaging to help with a visit or diagnosis? Can they feel safe and comfortable doing that? It certainly can. We, we went through a period where uh, in all of our ambulatory facilities, including our diagnostics, that we, we tried to ramp down so we all could learn about COVID together and learn what is the safest and the best practices. We've now developed a series of methods of making sure that we can practice social distancing, that we mask appropriately, uh, that we've uh, uh, put together a stepped-up cleaning process that fits much more with the COVID type of uh, responses that are needed, and and really create an environment where the person can be... um, can feel to be comfortable. We've we've staggered schedules. We try to work on the fact that uh, you know people can come in one entrance and out the other, so they don't have to bump into each other in the halls. And to try to really minimize um, accidental exposures, uh, if at all possible. And that's that's in good stead for our staff too. That's very important for our staff. So we feel very comfortable that we're in that position and can do that safely and uh, have the appropriate PPE to to accomplish that, and um, we're, we're very comfortable with that, and hopefully our, our patients will see that and feel that way also. Right. Let me ask you this. Are you concerned that people are foregoing care and may wind up getting sicker or having complications because they're reticent to come to the doctor's office? Yeah, I, I, I certainly am. I'm, I feel um, a great deal of concern about that because we, we know there's a number of patients who have chronic illnesses or have multiple chronic illnesses. And the ability to control and intervene those chronic illnesses, you can prevent hospitalizations, unnecessary emergency rooms, uh, and deterioration. And, And many, many times those are parts of care that the patient has trouble distinguishing that they're starting to get into trouble. Uh, so again, video visits are, are a home run in this in this area, but also even if it's a phone call to the doctor's office or or an email message to have a checkpoint to to make sure that there's reasons that many of us ask our chronically ill patients to come back every three to four months. Uh, it's because they're, they're they are a little bit more fragile, and uh, we would choose to uh, engage with them in some fashion. And, and again the telemedicine platform does a great job of that also. So what other services can your UPMC care team provide beyond healthcare needs? Because that's important as well right now. Well, you know, I think we've, we've really found uh, that addressing the whole person needs, uh, you know, can, do they have enough food to eat? Uh, do they have people who contact them? Are they having are there problems in their household or around their household that they they don't know where to get help? We have a lot of people, unfortunately, who are who are on their own and and, and don't have a great social support system, or one that can't get to them right now. So again, I think those are areas. You know, sometimes hearing a familiar voice. I've often thought when I'm in as I've practiced primary care that many times one of my nurses calling a patient or my medical assistant sometimes means more to the patient than when I see them in the office. Uh, as, as much as I'd like to think differently, I have to admit that. So there's a lot of outreach like that that just makes a difference in how you feel. And there's a comfort factor then that the patients would have in, in commuting their, 
communicating their needs to the staff, and uh, that can lead to some wonderful results. That is so true. And then is UPMC looking at ways to start helping people have access to essential care and procedures again? And why is that important? And tell us uh, what steps is it taking? So uh, we are very, very definitely, um, you know, working within the guidelines and the um, recommendations of our state and federal government. There are many healthcare services. Uh, if they're delayed, they have outcomes down the line that are much more severe and much more consequential. So, in order to approach this, and this is many times in the procedural or surgical area, we pretest any patients uh, coming to the hospital for those services about 48 hours before they would arrive at the hospital. We ask them then to quarantine until they get there. And uh, we make sure that uh, they understand the risks and benefits of doing the procedure now as opposed to delaying it. And that's so important, that communication between the patient and their family and their healthcare providers. You know, why should I do this now instead of three weeks from now? What are the risks if I delay it? And there can be risks. Uh, we, we have one case I'm aware of of a of a woman who had a bad back and she had a lot of discogenic disease and she couldn't move and she was scared and you know she she developed the cubitus because of that and uh, again much more complicated than if we could have done her back surgery eight weeks ago so we're we're, we're looking at how we protect people uh, we're looking at the protective gear we have for staff we look at ways to minimize aerosolization of droplets, and we can move forward in a much safer environment uh, for the patients. You know, and we are we are looking at bringing people in, again, acknowledging the importance of um, spacing and, and uh, scheduling and minimizing that potential contact. Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Nielsen, as a physician during probably the biggest health crisis in all of our lives, what's your overall thought of this or view of the care being provided and any other thoughts you can provide us? I think it would be interesting just to hear your perspective. You know, I've just been amazed. You know, I've been in primary care for over 40 years. I was the pleasure of working in a really great group practice for about 35 years till I came to UPMC Pinnacle. But to watch how quickly um, our our teams have mobilized, both here in the ambulatory space, but also on the leadership throughout the hospital, it has been just amazing to watch people um, collaborate across disciplines, look at problem solving in a very intense a very rapid fire um, mechanism and always put the patient first. It, it has just been incredible the accuracy with the decisions that have been made by our staff in a time period where the science of what we're dealing with has really changed. You know, what we knew March 1st versus what we know today is very, very different. And some of them have some of those changes have necessitated us changing approaches to patients and and how we would do things. Um, It's also some of the reason that our patients are scared and confused at home because they they think the data should be the same all the way through, and it, it hasn't. We're learning. We're learning as we go. 
We're learning what medicines may work. We may learning what procedures may work. But it has been an incredible experience to be in a leadership role of a healthcare team that's working with that. We like to remind people that, you know, if, if you're having illness, please make sure you reach out. We have doctors and nurses who are available, your primary care doctors. Our nurse advice line does an incredible job with triage. Their volume of calls uh, during the uh, early four to five weeks of COVID have uh, gone up between two to three times their normal calls. They've been a great function as to saying who should go. We developed a COVID advice team of nurses and physicians who could handle COVID questions. If people are having you know, any symptoms of a life-threatening illness, we really need to pay attention to those. Uh, we've, there's a number of stories that we've heard throughout the country of people who are having early symptoms of a stroke who were afraid to come to the hospital because they were, were afraid they were going to pick up COVID and be exposed to it. We have to pay attention to those things, heart attacks that were missed because people were frightened. Um, we can do a pretty good job at keeping people safe. We we're, we're really have worked hard at making our facilities safe. And so I think in those emergency situations, it's really important to continue to follow your basic thoughts if you're having chest pain and shortness of breath. It may not be COVID. It may be a heart attack. So we need to get you where we can give you great care. And lastly, the whole area of chronic care. People need to pay attention to their chronic care, need to pay attention to those preventative things that are safe to do today and that we can help them uh, navigate this, this crisis. You know, none of very few of us were here 100 years ago, let alone, I don't think any of us were... I don't think any of us were practicing medicine 100 years ago when the last um, pandemic hit. Uh, so this is uh, all new to us, and it, it's really been an incredible experience to see the staff I work with. Every day it's been, it's been a privilege, and it makes you uh, just so proud to be, a, be attached to an organization that uh, has been able to pull together like this for the community. Mm-hmm. So well said. I love uh, what you said earlier. Always put the patient first and how that always guides your decisions at UPMC Pinnacle. Dr. Nielsen, this has really been informative. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. That's Dr. Robert Nielsen. And for more information, please visit upmcpinnacle.com slash video visits. And if you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and check out the full podcast library for topics of interest to you. This is Healthier You, a podcast from UPMC Pinnacle. I'm Bill Klaproth. Thanks for listening.